Welcome into the 193rd episode of the Young Turks podcast, Mason Viner and Jack Rothenberg. Well, Jack, we made it to the bye week and, you know, it's, it's been pretty up and down. What are your thoughts on where Maryland football sits uh, going into game number seven of this 2021 season? Yeah, obviously they got off to that hot start, but they've tumbled down a steep hill with two big blowout losses against Iowa and Ohio State. Um, I think there are definitely games in this back half that they can pick up to get that six win mark, but it's going to take some work and some some cleaning up to do based off their last couple performances. Yeah, Jack, and and you kind of said I think what many Maryland fans probably expected to hear on this show and all the other coverage there's been this week is once again the Terps reached uh, the point where a lot of people thought they were taking that next ginormous step forward similar to what they did in the early 2000s, but uh, since then more of the same, the 51-14 loss to Iowa and then getting 60 dropped on them by Ohio State has many people questioning uh, where this team is at at the bye week, and that's what we're going to try and get into on this show is, you know, what's the path forward and how does Maryland avoid what's been generally uh, and drop off a cliff after a hot start, Jack? Uh, do you see this team being any different? Uh, I can't say definitively, obviously, but in the second half, I definitely think there are games that they're going to win. Um, I, I think they're going to bounce back in some sort of way, but I think that as long as Leah can sort of not pick up where he left off, but continue in a way that he can make big throws and win games down the stretch, I think that they'll be in a better position than they've been in, in past years. So I definitely think there's they're a better team than they have been in the past, and I think they're going to show that in some of these upcoming games. Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting, at least to me, in a lot of ways, that this year is so much focused on the quarterback. Uh, obviously, the Terps finally having a big-name quarterback. But at this point, looking kind of down the barrel, in a sense, a handful of top 10 teams left on the schedule for Maryland in these last couple games. This time, it's can we get our quarterback back together instead of can we find another quarterback? You know, so many times Maryland sat in this spot, 4-2, and 5-2, and two, uh, even 4-3 and three with, you know, onto their third, fourth, and and even at times uh, a linebacker playing quarterback. And at this moment, it seems different because I think it's clear the best guy that we have at quarterback is in the game. Now, whether he's as good as a lot of people thought he was, uh, that's still up for debate. But how do you kind of see this year in some ways being in a completely different spot than we've been in the past? Yeah, I think it's sort of what, going off of what you said is with that quarterback spot I think that in past years they've sort of flipped around quarterbacks remember a couple years ago Josh Jackson in the middle of the season he would start the games maybe go a possession if Loxley didn't see what he liked he would pull him and and bring in another guy but in another spot I think that as many people have talked about it's that wide wide receiver position I know obviously Dante Demas is out for the season but I feel like the weapons and the offensive firepower that Maryland has shown so far this season is different than what we've seen in past years. And obviously that running back position is a little weaker than we've seen, but in, in totality, that whole offense, I think is looking a lot better than we've seen in the past. And I think is going to be the key in the second, second half of the season. Yeah. And that's a spot where I don't have much doubt other than the running back position this year's team under Coach Loxley and the coaching staff ha- has taken a step forward, in my opinion. There's much more involvement 
of the star players, obviously with Demas and Jones. Uh, Jones most likely done for the season. Demas now officially done for the season. Out, things do change, but still a super talented group from the Terps of wide receiver. Guys like Marcus Fleming, who I pointed out in our last podcast. Uh, obviously, Rock Jarrett. You know, they have this long list of talented players, but I see a lot of involvement from the tight end. Overall, better offensive line play. But when you look at it, the running back position, Jack, obviously the biggest drop-off NFL guy after NFL guy for the last six, seven years for Maryland. This year they haven't had as much luck, but Fleet Davis has been decent. As a unit, I think this next game really will show what this offense is made of. You know, obviously now you're down Demas and Jones. Different guys have to step up. But Minnesota, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show, definitely a beatable team. But in my opinion, an absolute must win if Maryland can kind of change their trajectory this year. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I definitely agree. There are multiple spots where that Minnesota team is beatable, as you said. And I think it would be a big kind of turn of the tables if they were to come back and win that game. And I think we've talked about on past podcasts, I think, or past episodes, I think that that the running game is where they needed to get back to. I think they got a little carried away letting Leah throw the ball any which way he wanted. And I think they sort of started getting back in that direction last week against Ohio State, both Penny Boone and I, I slipped in my mind right now, but I know Penny Boone and one other back both had nine carries or close, around 10 carries on Saturday. So I think um, obviously we, we want to see Tayon Fleet Davis get the ball a little bit more, but they're starting to creep back in that direction, going back more towards the wrong game and taking the burden off of Leo a little bit more, which I like to see. Yeah, and Fata Matau, I believe, is the guy you were mentioning. Sorry if I mixed up the name. I don't have the pronunciation guide right in front of me right now. For me, kind of going off of that point, looking at the way things can change and game over game change for Maryland, you talked about them trying to get the running game going a little bit more, was a couple weeks ago we did a show after the Iowa game, and, and I named that one Adversity. I'm going to kind of change my opinion. Obviously, there was a little bit more snap reactions in that one. But when you talk about things like running the ball and playing to the standard and all the things you need to do to really win in the Big Ten, you're going to be punched in the face at some point. And for Maryland, you know, a lot of people thought it was right after the Iowa game. Then if you didn't think that, you probably thought it was right after the Ohio State game. I think it's now. This week of practice, coming off of the bye week, you know, after you lost to Iowa, there were a lot of people still talking about Maryland. It was still a newsworthy topic that they got beat so badly again. After they went out and lost to Ohio State, I feel like it's been radio silence. You look around, message boards, social media buzz, all that gone. You know, you kind of have two lame games against Minnesota and then a homecoming game against Indiana, but still not a huge draw. When everybody stops talking to you is when you figure out what you got in the locker room, because everybody's all hyped up and happy at the beginning of the season, especially after they beat uh, after they beat West Virginia. But now it's dead silence. It's only really the players and the team and the close fans that they know will always back them around. That's the only thing pushing Maryland forward at this point. This is the true moment of adversity for this team this year, in my opinion. Can they win this game and can they prove people wrong and get back going towards six wins, which I think will be very obtainable if they're able to pull off this next one against Minnesota. Now, one thing that I definitely wanted to go over was the injuries. We already talked about Demas and Jones, Jack. But looking around the rest of this roster, especially on the defensive backfield, Maryland may be playing if Corey Cooley actually sustained an injury and if Levante Gator, who returned to the game Saturday, uh, sustained an injury. Maryland could end up with Tarheeb still, Isaiah Hazel, and 
even as big a Maryland guy that I can, the only other corner that I can think of on the roster is Devin King, a recruit from two years out, uh, out of California that I don't really think has ever been on the field, Jack. Uh, any other injuries of note? Yeah, uh, another big no- notable injury is that you had talked about it earlier is Jay Sean Jones. I think that's like, it's it's a big injury for Maryland, especially because of Dante Demas. So I think the combination of them is going to force Rakeem, Rakeem Jarrett to kind of step up into that number one wide receiver role, which he only had one catch on Saturday, which is a little concerning for me, but I think that he needs to learn how to be that the number one target and kind of lead this offense the way that Demas did in the passing game. Yeah, and that, that injury list is also compiled by Brandon Jennings, who a lot of people are hoping uh, will be back in the lineup this week. Ruben Hippolyte's been banged up, but he's played through it. Uh, Anthony Booker up front has been. Terrence Lewis, the five-star recruit, is out for the season. The, the injury list is long for this team. And a lot of these guys are expected to be back healthy, like Tank Booker, um, like a lot of the cornerbacks and defensive backfields, and, and like Brandon Jennings, uh, the inside linebacker. But when you look at this picture as a whole, I still think you're seeing some of the gaps that Mike Loxley has talked about. They're not three deep at every position yet. They're getting too deep in a lot of spots, especially on the offensive line, hopefully a quarterback. But when you look at the body of work as a whole where this roster is, I think everybody needs to take a moment and kind of reset their expectations on top of it. This team was projected three and nine most places. Jack, you and I discussed this before the season. Uh, they were picked three and nine, four and eight. I've seen them as little as one and 11. They were picked, uh, I believe, in college football or Saturday tradition or college football today. One of the really kind of deeper fan sites. But they were still picked one and 11 by a reputable site. The fact that they won four games in my book, knowing as much as I know about Maryland football, and I know a lot of our listeners do too, it is probably, it's not acceptable. It's not where you want to see this team. If they can win six or seven games, or even if they can change the narrative in going five and seven, play a lot of close games against some good teams that are on the schedule, uh, the, the win would probably have to come this week for people to believe. But maybe if they pulled one one win with chances to go bowl eligible, I think a lot of people would be disappointed. But still, they're going to exceed the prediction mark. And a lot of people, even in the ESPN FPI, I believe their average, their power index says they'll win five in a half games from here to the end of the season. I believe at the beginning of the season it was something like 3.8. So in a lot of spots, they've already exceeded expectations. Yeah. And in certain spots, kind of going back to the injury part, and then I'll, I'll touch on the the win part. Um, it's, it's about the next guy up mentality and that's Loxley and anyone in the circles of Maryland football will tell you that obviously they're not where they want to be in depth in the depth situation, but it's going to be the net, that next guy up mentality. And, whoever's in the game has got to play to the best ability and match the intensity of the other team. And then as, when it comes to all, all the the wins and getting the fans involved and all that stuff, it's it's just coming out and showing that you care enough and, and that you are putting an effort in and make it, make it an interesting game. At least you're talking about playing some of these tougher teams and making it a game to, to show to the fans that the program is at, in fact turning around and, that's that's about, I think, what this entire the second half of the season is going to be about is proving to fans that Maryland is turning in the right direction. And even though they've slipped up the past couple of weeks, it's that they're moving in the right direction and it's going to keep people interested and in, in wanting to focus on what's happening in College Park. 
Yeah, and I think that really comes with winning six games and playing close. Uh, the game that's highlighted in my calendar and always will be is that Penn State game. But playing these teams close and competing, especially if Penn State comes out with their backup quarterback, Robinson, who has not looked good at all. Uh, a lot of injury rumors swirling around that program and its quarterback, Sean Clifford. But further to that point is when you start up 4-0 and you really start trying to have fan buy-in, and you get it, and you've kind of put out the results in these last two weeks, you're going to lose people, whether you really finish strong or not, unless they win out, you know, something crazy happens. But I'm talking more realistic goals here. If you can just show a little bit of improvement, I think a lot of people will come back in, especially if they're able to knock off your, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, the three big games you have on the schedule. I think there's still a lot of opportunity to get a lot more buy-in out of the fans, to get a lot more commitments for season tickets for next season. And there's still a lot to be left on the table for this team. It's just, I almost feel like in a lot of people's books, this season's already over. We've already lost and and it's gone. And and that's something that I don't really like seeing out of the fan base. Yeah, and sort of just looking down the line a little bit, I want to get your, into, your input on this. I think if Maryland were to get to that six-win mark, I obviously agree with you. I think it starts this week. I think this weekend is is pretty much a must-win at Minnesota. But what's that other game that you think they can win to get to that 6-1 mark? I'm looking down the line. I would think it would be this weekend if they were winning against Minnesota and possibly Rutgers in their final game. What about you, Mason? Yeah, I mean, Indiana is the one that I have circled, Jack, especially if they can win this week, is finishing the March to 6th the next week and play, being uh, teeing up a 6-2 and two Maryland against a most likely, I'm going to say, and two Penn State. Uh, I'm starting to think if uh, Sean Clifford doesn't play, I think they're a very beatable team for any team in this conference, maybe. I think they might have Illinois at home, so I'll throw that one out. You know, whatever it is, against a good Penn State team. Um, yeah, I think that Indiana game might be the most winnable. Penix has really struggled. They've now gone to the bench. I was watching them play a close one against Michigan State this last weekend, who, by the way, looked beatable in that game. But I think Indiana might be your most high percent chance that you get a win um, followed by Rutgers, who seems to have fallen off the map. And then finally, I think this upcoming game against Tanner Morgan and the Golden Gophers that we'll discuss later on in the week on this podcast is your toughest game in your very winnables. But I give Maryland over 50% chance in all three of those games. It, it's just a matter of getting guys back on the field. You know, there are some players that I don't understand why they haven't played this year, like Frankie Burgess in the pass rush game. But getting the best guys that you have available on the field putting out a good effort, and I think you come away with it as the more talented team in these three games. There is a matter of what's the effort? What's the buy-in for Maryland? Are they still there mentally coming uh, out of some pretty big injuries and two absolutely blowout losses followed by a week off? You know, if you look back at the past, if you look at their last five and seven campaign when Matt Canada was coaching, they were pretty up and down that year. I think that's more reflective of where this team's at than where it was in 2019. They're going to put out some good efforts. Guys like Nick Cross, leaders on this team, uh, they don't give in. Ruben Hippolyte, Nick Cross, uh, go into the offensive line with guys like Mason Lunsford and Johari Branch. These guys don't quit the same way that I think Maryland players have in the past. But as a team, those skill position guys, your quarterback, they got to keep their head if you want to really make it. Um, but those are my winnable games to answer your question, Jack. I think they throw another one in there with Indiana, and we'll see where we're at there. But three winnable games. Uh, I didn't think a lot of people thought we would be at this point. That Indiana game looked a lot tougher coming in. I think Rutgers looked a lot tougher a couple of weeks ago, but 
there's some football games that Maryland should win just based on talent. We'll see what actually comes out on the field and from the coaching staff. Yeah, and at the end of the season, if they're looking back and they have a winning record, I think that'll turn a lot of heads and and kind of maybe even shock themselves a little bit that they were even able to pull that off. And I think going back to what we were talking about with the effort, the de- defensive players, and even the playma- the playmakers that Maryland has on offense, I think a lot of people just sort of look at Leah in the quarterback position, put a lot of blame on him for the team not winning. I think I even fall victim to that sometimes. It's it's not always going to be on Leah. A lot of the offensive problems, sure, they, they do revolve around the quarterback, but especially without Maryland's top playmakers on offense, it's going to fall on these other other players to make plays and find themselves in the position to help the offense in the best way.